0: Listening to the Keef to the City podcast.
1: All right, the Yankees' horrible start to the season was compounded by a sweep at the hands of the Red Sox at Fenway Park. Last weekend, the Yankees blowing two of the three games that they had leads in late. Uh, It's just been a miserable start, whether it's uh, the pitching or the hitting, and then now the bullpen's having their own issues. Uh, But the Yankees have a chance to avenge those three losses in the sweep. Uh, This weekend at Yankee Stadium, the first time the Red Sox head there and the last time these two teams will play until the first series after the All-Star break, and joining me today to talk... Yankees Red Sox is Danny Picard. Uh, you can hear him at DannyPicard.com. The Danny Picard Show is available on iTunes every single day, and you can also hear him on WEEI up in Boston or catch him on TV on Comcast SportsNet New England. Uh, he's sort of all over the map there. Dan, how's it going today?
0: It's going, Neil. How you doing?
1: I- I'm doing well. I guess you know people they can listen to you on radio, podcast, catch you on TV. You're you're the jack of all trades over there.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm trying. You know, <laughs> any any outlet that I have. You know, I, I utilize it even even a little column I write once a week. So anything, any way we can get this out there, you know, pump this product out. That, that's the way we're gonna do it.
1: Yeah, and this product is at its best. I feel like, at least from my perspective, when the Red Sox are <laughs> losing, and they haven't been doing that much of late after sweeping the Yankees they had a nice easy four game stretch against the Blue Jays where they won three out of four so um, you know they've been a 500 team outside of those two series but you beat up on the bad teams and uh, play 500 against the rest of the teams and that's the way it's supposed to go and As of now, you know, the Yankees are a bad team, (laughs) a really, really bad team. The worst Yankees team since, uh, you know, I was about four years old in the early 90s. So things aren't going well here. Hopefully things will change this weekend in the Bronx. But what we saw last weekend from the Yankees was pretty much a, you know, It just was the poster for their entire season. You know, one game they couldn't, the starter couldn't hold the lead. The next game, the offense didn't show up. They were shut out, and the last game, the bullpen blew the lead. So we got all three aspects. Uh, You know, what did you see last weekend from this Yankees team, which is just sort of old and station to station, and uh, really just pretty disappointing to watch.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think where the Yankees dropped the ball was they actually got to David Price. You know, they were able to. Uh, tag him for a couple runs. A Rod, it seems, just dominated David Price in that game. Uh, but, but then, of course, you got the and Christian Vazquez jumps all over a first pitch fastball and puts it on a mass pike. I, I mean, if there's one thing that I look at the Yankees, at least from, from here in Boston, and I say, all right, this, this is what they have, this is what they have to offer, it's the back end of the bullpen. You know, it's the it's Miller, it's when you guys get Chapman back. You know, I look at that, and and that's scary to me. But, you know, when when you get got someone like Christian Vasquez getting to the Tampa's on a night in which, you know, your lineup actually did get to our ace, David Price, you know, that says says a lot to me. I I think it says more to me about this Red Sox team, though, because I look at this Red Sox offense. They are never out of a game, And, and we've been able to say that almost every single night this season. You know, we had that one tough game from the offense against Chicago a couple nights ago against the White Sox, but that was against Jose Quintana. I mean, he's got a sub-2 ERA right now, and he threw another gem. I think you just have to tip his hat to Quintana rather than knock the Red Sox offense. The Red Sox offense has been unbelievable. They've been relentless. They are never out of a game. And in that Yankee series, I mean, they scored, what, eight runs on Saturday night. They scored eight more on Sunday night, I think you guys get a taste of how good our offense can be. And I think the scary part about that is, I think if you're another team or in another city, is that the Red Sox' best pitcher hasn't even been this team's best pitcher, and that's David Price. You know, right now the team's best pitcher is Rick Plocello. And and, and actually, you can make the argument that Stephen Wright, the knuckleball, is the best pitcher. I, I still don't trust the knuckleball at the end of the day. So I'm hesitant to, get, to to put that title above Stephen Wright's nameplate in the clubhouse, his best pitcher on the team. Uh, but right now, so I'd probably put that above Rick Porcello's locker. But David Price, you know, on paper, should be the guy. He's the guy the Red Sox are paying 30 mil a season for. He has shown a couple starts of dominance to this point. It just hasn't been consistent enough. And you saw that on Sunday night against the Yankees. Now, he'll get another shot against the Yankees this weekend. I think, it's, I think he's pitching Saturday afternoon. Uh, but, you know, if there's one thing that jumps out at me with that Red sox Yankee series, looking at the Yankees, it's that, you know, the one thing I thought the Yankees had was that dominant back end of the bullpen, but the Red Sox offense was able to get to it, and that really has been the story of the Red Sox season, a relentless offense that, that is never out of a ball game.
1: Yeah, I see that, and I feel like the thing with Batantis, he was basically striking out the side, and him and Miller, you know, every single time they came in, Um, so for me, you know, he's sort of in that Rivera echelon where I don't get mad if he blows the game and it's his fault because he's, you know, he's a team MVP last year, you could maybe make the case he wasn't again the year before, um, especially when Miller went down last year and he carried the workload, and he's just been so good that you know when he when christian vasquez sits there and and hits a first pitch fastball you know moonshot uh you know it sucked and and, you know you don't want to see a bottom of the order guy a catcher do that to you know one of the elite best pitchers in baseball but uh you know i can't really get on him for that and you know what happened with ortiz the night before um i can't get him on it for that either because he's just been so good and uh really you know you just look at this the way he had pitched and I know Brian Cashman said the other day on WFAN that they believe that he was tipping pitches and the Red Sox had something and that they've worked out in the last few days through video. So maybe that's the case because for for the rest of the league to look as bad as they have against him and then for him to give up two bombs like that, you know, pretty much one, like you said, to the Mass Pike and one to straightaway center, uh, it just didn't make sense and hopefully he can rebound that. I know on Wednesday night against the Orioles he came in and and got a big out. so hopefully he works through that. And Miller's been unbelievable, hasn't given up a run this season. Chapman comes back on Monday. So I do feel like that back into of the bullpen will be as good as advertised. And really, you look at that Sunday night game, and, and he gave up those two runs when the game was tied. And and I don't have a problem with that because this Yankees offense has been so bad that if it stayed tied, that game could have been going on for 20 more innings and they might not have scored again.
0: Yeah, I, and I mean, I'm glad it didn't because I was uh, at the <laughs> WEI studio inside of Fenway and I. You know, I, I didn't want to stay there all night, uh, but you know, it's that's, that's just—I I, I mean, I don't know if—I mean, you say tipping pitches, people might have hinted toward that. I mean, it could have been, it could have been. I, I think though, if you look at the story of this Red Sox again, this lineup all season long, it, it's—I don't—I don't know that there's an easy out. If there is an easy out, it would be Vasquez, <laughs> and um, you know, if you could ask a guy like that, who's your number eight hitter, to. to, to come up with that type of hit, then this is going to be the toughest offense and the toughest lineup to face in all of Major League Baseball. And you even get the guy behind him, a nine-hitter, Jackie Bradley Jr. I mean, he's on a 10-game hit streak. It's the longest of his career. Vasquez, Bradley Jr., you're just asking those two kids to be serviceable. You know, you're asking them to hit 250 and play good defense, because that's what Vasquez does behind the plate, and that's what Jackie Bradley Jr. is in center field. And yet, Here's Jackie Bradley Jr., not just in that series against the Yankees, but really all of last week. I mean, against the Astros, against the Braves. He had just game winning hit after game winning hit, game tying hit. I mean, he's just, he's not just serviceable. He's saving games and winning games for this Red Sox team at the plate. And, And same with Vasquez in that moment. So, I mean, if those two guys can keep it going and be even more than serviceable, there's no easy out in this Red Sox lineup. And and I think that's the biggest reason why when you look at the standings right now, the Red Sox are in first place. Um, Because I think we're still waiting for some of the pitching to come together. And when I say some of the pitching, I'm talking about David Price, but I'm also looking at Eduardo Rodriguez, who I think is the second best pitcher on this entire staff. And he's been on the DL since spring training with a lower body injury. They're saying he's going to be back soon So when he gets back, I just think, you know, this thing is going to improve even more. The Red Sox just got Tossett Smith back in the bullpen. Uh, It is shaping up to be a a very good top-to-bottom Red Sox team. There are still some issues. Uh, I just, when I look at the Red Sox compared to the Yankees, I I just, right now, I mean, I I just, I have to pick the Red Sox to stay around the top of the division and the Yankees, I don't see anything that tells me, even if they fix that tipping of the pitches that you just mentioned, I don't see anything with the Yankees that tells me they're going to, at any point, get into this race. So, uh, that's that's where these two teams stand. And I think, when we get later into the season, I I think it's going to look pretty similar to how it does now.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, for you guys, I mean... One of the best things, like I mentioned earlier, is your rants, uh, you know, when things aren't going well for Boston sports. And you had that epic one in spring training about Pablo Sandoval and even Hanley Ramirez. And I know you've come around recently on Hanley. But for Pablo, it seems like the Red Sox catch another break here because whether it was, you know, shipping all those bad contracts to the Dodgers a few years ago or now their $95 million uh, potential to be a media distraction and clubhouse cancer, he's gone for the season with uh, season-ending surgery. So, uh, you know, maybe you can bring some of that love over here and we could get rid of Chase Headley for the rest of the year.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean the Pablo thing is it's so crazy. He showed up at spring training and I flipped out on him and Hamley on uh, in a couple different ramps that obviously you've heard and you told me that you heard, but uh, you know, I don't regret it. Even though Hamlin Ramirez has proven me wrong right now, I never would have thought he'd be playing first base as well as he's been playing it. I mean no errors through the first month of the season. I never thought that'd be the case if he'd be playing first base every day. Hanley's attitude's been great. It didn't seem like that at the beginning of spring training when he took the first optional weekend to go on a little vacation to Miami. I thought that was a little ridiculous considering he's learning a new position. Uh, So I don't regret, you know, sort of getting on top of him because of his attitude. And same thing with Pablo. He showed up looking like a slob, and on top of it he told us that he had nothing to prove, when in fact he did because he finished last season with the 12th worst OPS in all of Major League Baseball, and he played some terrible defense on top of it. So these two guys did have something to prove. I didn't like their attitude out of the gate, so I jumped all over him for that. Uh, Now, Hanley has proven me wrong. So I actually love what I'm seeing out of Hanley Ramirez, so I have no problem with him proving me wrong. In fact, I love the fact that he's proven me wrong. Pablo Sandoval, he lost his job, his starting job at third base, in spring training to Travis Shaw. You know, again, look, I was willing to give the guy another shot, but this is what happens when you show up looking like a slob and you are saying the things you were saying. You're going to lose your job. Since then, he had an injury, a shoulder injury. He had surgery the other day. He's out for the season. Look, I'm I'm not going to root for injury or applaud injury with anybody on any team in any sport, but facts are facts. And, And the fact of the matter is the Red Sox are a better ball club without Pablo Sandoval on the field. So he's not on the field because of this injury. And, you know, I I know people still get worked up at the contract, but the way I always look at the Red Sox, and I think you probably could say the same thing what's going on in New York, is these are big market ball clubs. And just because they have some of these big contracts, if they don't work out, that's not really going to affect future moves. Like the Pablo Sandoval contract isn't going to affect what Dave Lombrosi does at the trade deadline, you know, it's not going to affect what he does next off season. With regards to either trading for a guy who you know you're going to have to give a big contract to in the near future, or acquiring someone via trade or a free agent signing that that you got to give big money to right away, uh, or is already on the contract. So I, I just have a tough time right now, knowing that Pablo's done out of sight, out of mind. The Red Sox are in first place. They're a better team without him. And, um, you know, I think that's where we stand. You know, some people still get worked up, but I have a tough time getting worked up about a guy who's not around and we're not going to see the rest of the year. And to be honest, they don't need.
1: I feel like for you to to get on guys because you're you're pretty level-headed fan you don't you know go one way or the other you seem to always give people a chance i remember you know when becky was going through his nonsense you were still you know willing to give him a shot because he you know was a proven talent because he did have the talent or you know the bruins at the deadline they get stepniak or you know previous trades you're always willing to give guys a chance so for you to get on someone and to sort of shun someone is a big deal because i feel like you're uh you know you, you don't let your passion or the heat of the moment take over how you feel about players
0: um, I, I think there's a time and a place for everything. I mean, you, you mentioned act and, you know, the moves the Bruins made at the deadline. I I actually did jump all over the ownership, you know, and, and because I thought that those moves were coming from ownership, I thought they made the wrong decision. I thought they should have traded Louie Erickson, and they should have let some of the young kids defensively come up and play like the Colin Miller. Um, so I think they handled that wrong, and I, I think they are learning that the hard way by not even making the playoffs, but You know, you mentioned Beckett. I mean, you know, Beckett was always a guy that that, that I looked at and and I knew just how important he was to this organization for winning that World Series in 2007. And I guess I I try not to take those things for granted. You know, I I would have made that trade, you know, Hamley Ramirez for Josh Beckett. You know, was it Hanley and Animal Sanchez, I think, for Josh Beckett. I'd make that trade any day of the week, again, a million times over, even knowing how it ended. So, I mean... I was always appreciative of what Beckett was able to bring to this town, and I think the minute something goes bad with somebody or somebody has, you know, says something that the people don't like, they seem to forget about the good things that some of those players brought the organization. You know, when you talk about Hanley and Pablo, they were here one year last year. You know, what did they do? I think it all comes back to production for me. If if Hanley hit two ninety five and hit, you know, close to thirty home runs and one hundred and 10 RBIs, I would care less if he took a weekend to go to Miami at the (laughs) beginning of the season. If Pablo Sandoval, you know, hit you 285, 20 home runs, 85 RBIs, and helped this team get to the playoffs and was that playoffs competitor that we usually see from him when he was in San Francisco, he could have showed up looking however the hell he wanted to, and, and, and he could have said whatever he wanted, and I wouldn't care because it's all about production. The bottom line is those guys, didn't produce in this team last year. And when you don't produce, you better do something in this town to make sure you change that. And it just didn't look like at the beginning of spring training that they were taking the proper steps or had the proper attitude to change that. So that pissed me off because, uh, you know, they are making big money. And while I do know the big money doesn't really affect what the team's going to do, you do have something to prove in this town. This is a different city. This is a championship hungry town. Uh, and, and, and we do care how you perform. So I didn't like their attitude, but it does all come back to production with a lot of these guys. If you don't produce and, and you show up looking like that, saying those things with that attitude, I'm I'm going to get all over you for it. You, you deserve for people to, to jump all over you for something like that.
1: So then how long is your leash for uh, David Price? Is it an entire season? Is it what happens if the Red Sox make it back to October and how he does in the playoffs? Or is it you know, more than a year because it's just the first year of a lengthy deal? How long do you, do you go with a guy that's supposed to be your ace when he's not being the ace?
0: Um, well, I think it would be a different story if he had done nothing so far this year.
1: Like,
0: I think people are quick to ignore the fact that he dominated Toronto in the middle of April at Fenway, a seven inning performance, nine strikeouts, didn't walk anybody, only let up two runs, threw over a hundred pitches, and a four to two win, or a four to one win, that's something crazy, or five to two angles. People forget about that performance. And, and you know, it, part of that is because Price allowed people to forget about that because his very next start, he let up seven or eight runs to Tampa Bay. But, Price has, he has dominated in several games this season. Opening day in Cleveland, that game I told you against Toronto, which is, again, we can't even go along one of the best offensive lineups in baseball, and we saw what he did against Atlanta. I know people were their eyes because it is the Braves, but guess what? I mean, you've got to beat the teams that you should beat on your schedule, and, and, and he did dominate. So it would be different story if, if Price had gone five, six starts where he didn't really sort anything. But he has dominated in several starts this season. It's just we're looking for more consistency from him right now. And and because we have seen some dominance, I'm I'm willing to bet that that he's going to string together some dominant starts. I mean, I'm not looking to make excuses for the guy, but facts are facts. And David Price's numbers are not good at the beginning of the season, almost every single season. So um, that needs to factor in when it comes time to all right, how much criticism do you give a guy when it comes to running him out of town? I'm not going to run him out of town. It's how much time I give him. You know, he, he, we know he has something to prove, not just because he's in this town and he's being called upon to be the ace, but also because the contract he got calls for him, you know, an opt-out after the third year. And, you know, if I'm David Price, that's going to be a motivational factor as well. So he also doesn't seem like the type of guy that's gonna give up or have a bad attitude or not want to win. And like I said, we've already seen a couple dominant performances from him. It just needs to be more consistent. So I, I'm I'm pretty confident that this stretch of inconsistency is not gonna last. So I mean, I don't know I that I even have thought about putting a timetable on when I run him out of town. I guess if you know by the month of July we'll talk we'll call off star break if he strings together three or four straight stinkers where he's done a 7-8 run, then that's when you begin to question it. But until then, I don't think that's going to happen. That would be a disaster. <laughs> I, I'm I'm willing to roll with this guy, you know, through this season, into next season, and, and just see what happens. But I am confident that he will begin to string together some consistent dominance for this team.
1: Well, as a Yankees fan, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of players on this team that not like, whether it's Ellsbury, who I've never liked, who – when you factor in performance and contract will probably go down as the worst Yankee in the history of the organization. You got Chase Headley, who's just the worst player in major league baseball uh, to Shira, who is, you know, been a bad postseason player. He's hurt all the time. Uh, You know, there's just a lot of guys on this team. McCann, who has, you know, not really been the guy I thought he'd be since he came over aside from hitting a bunch of home runs at, you know, Yankee Stadium down the line 314 feet. Um, Then there's, you know, Evaldi, who I don't like because he throws 100 and can't seem to put anyone away with two strikes or strike anyone out. So there's a lot of people to dislike even on the team you root for. But from the Red Sox standpoint, I feel like you know, they have a good mix of guys where, you know, from an outside standpoint, of course, there's people I don't like on the Red Sox, but from a Red Sox fan standpoint, you know, now it's Sandoval sort of uh, out of the way for the rest of the year. There's no one to to really not like if you're a Boston fan.
0: No, I I think, and and this was something I try to tell people coming into the season, you know, people who had their concerns about uh, the pitching. Look, I had my concerns about the pitching too, and at times I still do, but I look at some of the exciting young players they have in this lineup, and I think what people forgot this past winter was someone like Xander Bogats, who hit three twenty last year, and he played most of the season. You know, that's not um, an exaggerated .320. That, that's a legitimate kid hitting three twenty. And I think the other part of him is, two years ago, most people in this town were trying to tell me that he was never going to even be able to play shortstop defensively that he would have to move to a different position he didn't have the range he didn't have the athleticism and I was willing to give him some time with that because he's still a kid and he's obviously come around at that position he he is a very good defensive shortstop uh, but the offense excites you as well and and same thing with Mookie Betts leadoff hitter you know he his average is down right now but I expect him uh to get that back up and And, you know, some of the, you know, Travis Shaw is another kid who can put the ball in the seats. On top of that, I mentioned Jackie Bradley Jr. a few minutes ago and, and the potential that he has being such a basically, you know, he's a scary player in center field for another team because he covers so much ground. He's got an absolute hose at the same time. He can throw you out at home if you're trying to take uh, that extra base and, and maybe try to squeeze that extra run in. And, um, you know, if he's going to produce the plate, this is just those three kids. You know, the excitement that they bring to come along when Christian Vasquez gets called up, who really has calmed this pitching staff down and has given them some confidence that they love throwing to, and he loves throwing people out on the base paths. There really are some young, exciting players on this team that I think some people forgot about this winter when they were making their predictions or they were expressing their concerns with the Red Sox. You know, I, I think kids like Bogots and Betts are legitimate superstars. I mean, last year you could have made the argument that Bogotts should have been in the All-Star game over Brock Holt. It just goes to show you how much that All-Star game actually means when managers are picking players based on trying to win the game. And that's what they did with Brock Holt because he can play so many positions in, in, in a game in which you're making so many moves. But if you look at the numbers in the production, I mean, Xander Bogotts really was the Red Sox All-Star last year. And I mean you make a case that he should be the all-star again this year. So those two, Betts and Bogarts, they're the number one, two hitters in this lineup, and you got Pedroya behind him. I mean, it really is an exciting lineup, and on top of it all, I think they're all playing for David Ortiz. I mean, I was told by the Red Sox GM in the offseason that there really was a motivation that cannot be overlooked with even someone like Cammy Ramirez, that they're playing for Big Papi. They know this is his last shot. And you see what Big Papi's doing. He had another home run last night. He got six on the season. I I, I just, that motivation is a real thing. I think it's easy to question it going into the season when somebody tells you that. But now that you actually see them playing like this and and the way even some of this youth and these young, exciting players uh, have sparked the energy in guys like David Ortiz and even Hamley Ramirez and Dustin Pedroia, it's all coming together. Uh, but it does all start with some of the young, exciting talent like Betts and Bogarts at the top of the lineup.
1: Well, you brought up Jackie Bradley a couple of times, and he killed the Yankees last weekend in Boston. And he is sort of like, uh, you know, because I know he's never really been an offensive threat, but he's like the Pedro Seriaco these days where he you know doesn't hit him against anybody else, but seems to always get the hit every time he's up against the Yankees.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, he's been look, 10 straight games. And he, he, his hand got banged up last night sliding into third, but um, they say he's going to be in the lineup, still staying in the lineup, <clears throat> but no, I mean, nobody's asking Jackie Bradley Jr. to come up with the hits that he's been coming up with the last couple of weeks. I mean, he had a game-winning hit in Houston a week and a half ago. He had another big hit against Atlanta, which ended up being a one nothing Red Sox win, and the only run came off a Jackie Bradley Jr. solo home run. He had a couple big hits against the Yankees, so it's not, it's not just against the Yankees. I mean, we saw this at the end of the season last year. He had this stretch where he just went on a tear and I'm watching the kid hit. And the biggest difference with him is he is hitting with a certain type of confidence right now that is almost, you can describe as cockiness. He has this swagger at the plate, like you can't get him out. Doesn't matter. You want to throw him, you know, right. He wants to throw him a slider down um, at the shoelaces. He's going to find a way to either lay off or even maybe put that thing in play. Uh, same thing with pitchers on the outside. You know He's going to be able to put short the swing up and put that thing the other way, and, and he does have some home run potential. Nobody's asking him to, to really do those things, though, because he's such a good outfielder and such a good center fielder. We're just asking him to be serviceable. And when you ask me what's serviceable for Jackie Bradley Jr., if you had told me at the beginning of the season that he would end the year hitting 250, I tell you, that's great. That's good enough to keep him in the everyday starting lineup, hitting ninth in center field. I mean, he's hitting like 275 now, and it's better than 275. It's game-winning hits, game-saving hits. And like I mentioned, that cockiness, that swagger, that confidence at the plate is serving him well right now. And, and you know, I I don't know that that's going to get shook because when you do get to Jackie Bradley Jr., he's hitting ninth all of a sudden. Behind him, Mookie Betts, Xander Bogos, Pedroia, Ortiz, Hanley. I mean, it starts all over again. That's why I look at this lineup, and I just think there really are no easy outs right now. But if they were going into the season, you would probably say Jackie Bradley Jr. would be one of the easiest outs, and, and that's certainly not the case right now.
1: So after a month of play, you know, Red Sox sitting on top of the division there with the Orioles, the Yankees at the bottom, not exactly the way I, I thought or hoped things would turn out, but we're sort of seeing the same Yankees team we saw really from the deadline on last year when they blew that, uh, you know, eight or nine game division lead to the Blue Jays and had to settle for the wild card and then were shut out against... Dallas Keuchel in the most uh you know just anticlimactic inevitable uh you know uh, score of really recent memory for the Yankees because I don't think any Yankees fan really thought they were going to win that game even though they were home. Um and now we're sort of seeing continuation of that as they continue to have offensive problems. The aging players seem to get uh you know seem to grow 10 years older since the end of last season. Um but when you look at this Red Sox team I mean for you guys you know, did you expect them to to be in contention once again this year after you know last place finishes in three of the last four years?
0: Um, I did, and and for a lot of the reasons that I've already pointed out, and, and maybe for another that I didn't, which is out of all the moves we talk about them making and all the plays they have that are exciting, you know, the most exciting one might be the guy I haven't mentioned, who's Craig Kimbrell. Uh And on top of that, you know, they also traded for a kid a right hander reliever in Copson Smith, who made his debut the other night. He's got a nasty slider, and I think he's going to be the the everyday um, or oh, the go-to setup man in the eighth inning for this team to hand the ball off to Kimbrell. You know, those are other factors as to why I did think this Red Sox team would contend. I, I do think it's going to be a dogfight, though, and I think it could be a three-team dogfight. Now, I, I kind of thought maybe the Yankees would be involved in that. Uh, it doesn't really look like it right now. I also looked at the Yankees and thought someone like Luis Severino, would be a whole lot better than an ERA that's what, what's it around six, seven right now. Yeah. So I, I I mean, I thought that kid was going to be someone that for 10 year span, I was going to hate to see, but I mean, maybe it could come around again. I don't know. It just, I expected him to have a better start this season. I expected the Yankees to have a better start, but I I still think it's going to be a dog fight, a three team, maybe with the Red Sox, the Orioles and, and the Blue Jays. And, uh, I predicted the Red Sox to get in as a wild card team, and I think my prediction was them in Houston. And because the game would be in Houston, that they would lose that one. But well, Houston is in last place right now, and they don't look too good. So obviously, it's a long season; it needs to play out. But I guess to shorten my answer for you, I did expect the Red Sox to be involved in a playoff race, and. And one thing I left open was if they are in contention by the trade deadline, it's going to be interesting to see what Dave Dombrowski does. Because the one thing that we've learned with him since he's been here is, you know, the guys got some balls to make some big moves, and there will be some big name pitches available at the trade deadline. And the Red Sox still have one of the top farm systems, farm systems in all of baseball. So uh, I'm curious to see if the Red Sox are in contention and they do still have some issues with the pitching staff, if they're going to look, if Dave is going to look to make another blockbuster move, maybe to acquire Sonny Gray. Or well, I think some people might have thought Chris Sale would be involved, but it's looking like the White Sox are going to be in contention and could possibly become buyers, so they won't be trading someone like Sale. Uh, you might look at someone like a Jose Fernandez and what could happen with him because you heard rumors before. So I'm interested to see what Dave Dombrowski will do with the deadline. And then once you pass, at that point, we can get more realistic into uh, what could happen at the end of September. But, yeah, before the season, I I definitely envision the Red Sox in contention for a playoff spot by the end of the year.
1: Well, before I let you go, I know uh, the Rangers, they had their five-game pal out to the Penguins. The Bruins didn't make the playoffs, so not a good for, uh, for us on the hockey front. But I know for you, because you're so connected to the guys who are on the Rangers, who are from the Boston area with Keith Yandel, and the fact that he's a free agent and will likely have to leave because of the horrible contracts to Dan Girardi and Mark Stahl. But, um, you know, maybe there's a hope that they can clear that Girardi money and Yandel will stay in New York because according to that Players' Tribune, PC, he seems to love playing there.
0: Yeah, he, he likes playing in New York, there's no question. I, I think part of that has to do with, you know, he's not out in Arizona anymore. And that is no, that's no shot at the Coyotes organization or their fan base. It's just a situation where, you know, he's from uh Boston and, you know, being in New York allows him to, you know, to, to be close to home. And, and I think especially, you know, as someone like him gets older in this league and he's a veteran, you know, that that's a luxury that you'd like to have playing close to home. Um I do, thinks that you know there is a part of him as well that that and and like any kid that grew up in Boston that would want to play for the Bruins so I think that's where the conversation will get interesting and will get interesting this offseason it's you know how much how much does he care about that aspect I mean I'd be lying to you if I told you that that that's never been a thought It, it has been a thought it was a thought when when he was in Arizona You know, the idea of of one day playing for the Bruins. But does that happen now? Does that happen in four or five years? uh, When he's on his way out, six years, who knows? Um, But putting the Bruins aside, putting the hometown, you know, team that he grew up rooting for aside, the fact that, you know, he can play in New York if he had the opportunity to, to play in New York, maybe the rest of his career, that would be good for him as well because of the factors that I just mentioned, Boston kid, closer to home, Um, and, and of course with a Rangers team that look, uh, obviously, you know, the issues more than I do. I didn't expect the Rangers to be out this early, but you know, if they can keep some of those pieces together, they will be a team that will be back battling for a cup. I think if you are someone like Keith and you look at a team like the Bruins, I don't know that anybody knows what the Bruins plan is. So (laughs) if you're looking for a cup, you, you could make the argument that, that the Rangers are a team that has a a better chance to do that sooner than the Bruins, and, and certainly uh, Keith wants to hoist that thing over his head. So um, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I do think it's going to be interesting, and maybe that hometown factor does become a factor this summer, but we're going to have to wait and see.
1: Now that, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you were ever rooting for the Rangers because he's on the team, but I know with the Bruins out, if you were going for the Rangers, but they're both out, and now you look to, uh, you know, as we sort of dwindle down here and get towards the conference finals, who do you who do you have or who do you like to, to go all the way now?
0: Well, I have the Capitals. I just, uh, <laughs> and I've had them for the last couple of years, because like, I keep thinking, <laughs> you Well, know, at some point, off. I just yeah. keep thinking at some point Ovechkin is going to make a serious run, and... You know, why not do it when you got the best goalie in the world in Braden Holtby? Unfortunately for Holtby, his defenseman hung him out to dry last night in overtime with whatever that play was in front of his own net. Um, that, that's just some awful defense from his defenseman. I, I kind of feel bad for Holtby, but they also run into a pretty good Penguins team that it was always this fear that I had if the Penguins decided to turn it on offensively with some of the superstars they have in that team. They're a scary team to beat, and they don't have Flurry in that anymore. They got this kid, the rookie Murray, who, who's making big shades for him, and he's a reliable kid. I think they have confidence in him when they're on that ice. Penguins are a scary team. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting though. For, I'm rooting for the Sharks.
1: Yeah, Joe because
0: Thornton. Joe, Joe Thornton. I was a huge fan of Joe Thornton when he played for the Bruins. I was nearly devastated when they traded him back in what 2005. Couldn't believe it. I'll, I'll never forget. I was in my we are in my apartment at UMass, off campus, and we were watching another game, and it comes on the bottom line. I'm like, ESPN? It's ruined straight to Joe Thornton. I'm like, wait, for who? And one of the names was uh, Wayne Fremel, and I'm like, I think they got the wrong I that, that can't be right. It can't be talking about Wayne Freemo, right? I mean, I, I couldn't. That trade devastated me. I was a huge Joe Thornton fan. And then what the Western Conference is, without Chicago and L.A., you could consider that thing being wide open. I know Dallas is a high-scoring team. I know St. Louis is a heavy playoff-type team. But San Jose, they have an opportunity here. You know, they picked C off Thornton's chest. They put it on Pavelski's. Thornton's wearing an A. But I think that takes a little bit more pressure off him. And that's something that I think we've always seen him feel is the pressure, especially when you get to the playoffs. But I'm rooting for San Jose. I'd love to see Thornton win the Cup. And I think if there's any year, he can make a serious run at it. It's a year in which he doesn't have to worry about a feisty Blackhawks team that knows how to win it, and a year in which he doesn't have to worry about a Kings team that knows how to win it and would basically just you know, be more physical than San Jose ever would think of being in a playoff series, uh, even though you just saw what happened. I, I think the fact that you look at St. Louis, Dallas, and Nashville are the teams in your way, San Jose has a shot to get to the finals, and if you get to the finals, then anything can happen. So I'm rooting for San Jose.
1: Same here. All right, Dan. Well, thanks again for coming on. And uh, hopefully we still have some baseball from the Yankees perspective to talk about the next two times these teams play uh, after the All-Star break over two months from now. So uh, thanks for coming on. Hopefully we get a good series this weekend. All
0: right. Thanks for having me. Anytime.